Welcome to Ask Cadence, everybody. I am Pete Wright. Thank you for downloading the show this week. I'm sitting around the table here with Rob Bremer, Global Courseware Manager for Cadence Management Corporation. Rob, good morning, Pete. Good to see you again. Good morning. And Dr. Sean Harry, uh, Director of Training and Talent Development through with uh, ORCMS, Oregon Career Management Solutions. Thanks for sitting down with us again, Sean. It's nice to be here. Wonderful guest added to Thank this you. table. Thank you. Uh, this week, uh, we've been talking for the last uh, four weeks about the value of training in a volatile market. And uh, uh, last week we, we got through, um, you know, how do you train through uh, issues of crisis, uh, issues of long project cycles, issues of general project entropy. Uh, well, now we have this issue of how do you then measure the results of your training organizationally and individually? What are the results? Uh, or, and, and how do you know that your training initiatives have made a difference? Are you actually getting to the other side of some of these issues? And I know, Rob, you had had some uh, detailed thoughts on this. So why don't you kick us off? Thanks, Pete. I think that it's important to acknowledge right in the beginning that many times training is thought of as kind of this soft, squishy, feel-good sort of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that uh, managers who have cold, hard money dollars flowing on and off spreadsheets sometimes can be reluctant to uh, make an expenditure when they're not quite sure when, how, or even if they would see some results. I think it's possible for a project manager or somebody in a role to provide training to attach either passive metrics or active metrics to some training to be able to assess and see the results. And I'd like to give an example of, of what I mean by sure. both passive and active metrics. So uh, we all know people who work with spreadsheets love metrics. And so this is a way that the, the training individual can provide feedback back in terms of the results. So let's take a look at a, at a passive one. I think, Pete, I'll use you as an example if you don't mind. Daring. Let's say that I'm on a project man. I'm a project manager, and you are on my team. So using a passive metric, I might think I want Pete to make widgets faster, and so I might provide some training. And then, without Pete's awareness of it, I've noted and documented how many widgets he or other people like him could make before the training, and I note and document how many he can make afterwards. And if there is an improvement, then I'm going to think, okay, I'm going to verify that result and train some other people. And if they all consistently show some improvement, I'm going to feel quite confident in going to management or being able to report back using this XYZ type of training, we are able to achieve some type of measurable improvement. And that's what I mean by a passive metric, because Pete probably isn't even aware, or may be aware, that that's happening. The blind guinea pig here. That, that would be me. Now I can make widgets faster. I can find my way in a maze exactly. more efficiently. Okay. And, and all I mean by an active metric is I, I make you a part of it. I might not actually see the numbers. I might be simply saying to you, Pete, uh, we've got this training program and, and this seminar, and if you went to it, I think that it would uh, show some results. Are you game? Do you say you are? And you go sure. and you take it and you come back later and you're excited and you report, wow, that really made a difference. I can see how I'm able to do my work uh, in, in a different way, in a better way now. Okay. And so now I've got some active feedback. Well, you, yeah, I think you can talk about both passive and active uh, metrics. I think from an individual standpoint, the active metrics are going to be much more applicable and important for me as, as an, a line worker or someone who's involved in the project. A couple of weeks ago, Connie said that she mentioned that we're all in a sort of in a sales process trying to sell ourselves, our value to the organization as we continue to increase our own 
you know, career, to, to, to grow in our career development. And the active metrics that you're talking about are the kind of thing that would be helpful for individuals to be able to say, you know, hey, I took this training and this is what I got out of it. Using language that is helpful for their boss, for uh, the project manager, for whoever it is that's paying the bill. Because as we know, numbers are the language of business. And you've got to quantify, you know, what it is that you do to be able to... um, to be able to show your value to the organization is so helpful. That's one of the things that we really teach our clients is how do you quantify what it is that you can do for the organization. I'm really interested in that, that point uh, specifically from both of you uh, because one of the things that I see, one of the trends that I see right now, at least for the last probably decade or better, is this, uh, is this issue of being certificate happy. Uh, that... Uh, one of the key measurables for success is the number of pieces of parchment that you have framed uh, on your wall. Now, one of those may be degrees, maybe advanced degrees, but you know the other sort of category is I've been to X number of trainings that have been sponsored by my organization. Does that make me more successful? Not necessarily. <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you think, Rob? I don't, I don't no, think it necessarily no. does. I, I think there's a couple of different ways of, of looking at that, and it's worth exploring both on the individual side and from the organizational side. I would like to do that. Let's, uh, give me your thoughts on, on what it means to be successful, no matter how many certifications and trainings you've well, been through. Well, um, contrary to what you might be thinking, I'm going to take this the angle from the management side on this one rather than the individual side. Okay. Uh, because as a manager, I need to be able to justify the money that I'm spending, whether I'm spending it on a on a project or I'm spending it on a new fax machine or copy machine or whether I'm spending it on a person to do the job, a human resource. And just sending a person to a training so they can get a certificate you know, it's not, it's not having the certificate. It's what you do with the knowledge that you've gained at the training that would be important to me as a manager because I've got to justify the funds. Well, since you're playing that contrarian viewpoint, uh, I think that's fun. I'll play it back. And so I'll take the, uh, the individual side. And so I can speak from experience on this and, and relate it to other individuals. I recall a time in my life when I thought that things would become much better for me as I achieved extra certificates in a specific area. And uh, as I achieved them, I remember I felt warm and glowy. Things were going to get better. (laughs) And yet, in one particular instance, they did not get better. And looking back, the reality is because I did not look at my own individual personality in uh, in that particular arena, and I also did not look at the overall market dynamics of what was occurring in that, uh, that period of time. So I think from the individual side, uh, if you're going to go after a certificate, that's good. But you should also pay attention to how is it working for you. Uh, perhaps you take one in accounting principles, and at the end you notice that uh, your accounting skills really haven't gotten better. This is probably a good sign that getting the extra certificate in accounting skills uh, wouldn't be the best use of your time. Yeah, we always encourage people to go with their strengths. You know, increase, improve your strengths. What is it that you're good at? You can always pay somebody to do something that you're not good at, that they're good at. So, you know, we talk about the, the strengths movement. What is it that, that you are the best at, that you do the best at? Take training that's in line with that. 
and I think it is critical to, to see that return on your investment when you're doing any kind of, of training or self-improvement. How can you measure what it is that you've gotten out of it? It, it? Was it worth my spending both time, energy, and finances on? So I think you're on a good point, uh, a, a good thought about delivering through a um, metrics, you know, some sort of deliverables and return on your investment. Well, it goes back to the to the you know from a project management perspective when you go back to the the ripples and spokes and and trying to get it to deliver training that wraps up all of these issues and get your team to a new place. It's pretty easy to, uh, in some respects, would you agree, to measure results of training when you're in tactical execution of a project plan because you have this thing called a schedule. And at some point, the schedule will either slip or you will be able to execute more efficiently against it. Would you agree? Absolutely, Pete. And, and I'd like to tie into something else from the project management side. Now, I, I know we've talked about the idea of, uh, of, of uh, hard metrics and, and, and that sometimes training is, is, uh, appears uh, soft, one of these touchy-feely, hard-to-measure things. There is one important component, I think, that is a little bit touchy-feely that I think is important for project managers to note and pay attention to. And that is, if your team takes some training, they achieve some certificates, and their anxiety threshold or their hesitancy to perform their job uh, improves and that it, it, it goes down, then this is a good thing and this is worth noting. I have noted in, in a number of teams that I have run that if people feel more confident about themselves, more confident about those around them, their performance will increase. And I think that that is an important thing to note. I think that's important to, also to to provide that sort of feedback loop in the midst of the project as well. Because if, I'm, if I get to the middle of a project and I find that I'm not doing part of it in the way that is expected of me, I want to know that now before I finish. Because to come back at the end is, is going to be very devastating and it's, gonna, it's going to undermine the work that I do on my next project as well. Well, and we could put it into uh, practical terms. If you notice a, a team member towards the middle of a project is starting to ask questions. They ask questions typically because they're not sure and they're trying right. to get some type of answer. This can then trigger somebody else on the team to start asking questions. And the more of these questions that swirl around in the middle where people are questioning how to act next, how to make something next, what step to take next, the more that occurs the more it injects delay and potentially errors into the project. Just to summarize a little bit, what you, what you seem to be talking about is both focus on the team, focus on delivering the results that you need to drive home a successful project delivery today, and focus on yourself, mm -hmm. on the skills that are going to actually allow you to execute to the best of your ability and do good work. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you for joining us, Rob. Sean, thank you so much. And uh, until next week, this has been... Ask Cadence. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Pete. Learn the skills you'll need to develop your personal skill audit and enroll in a Cadence Project Management Seminar near you. Learn more at cadencemc.com. To learn more about our guest, Dr. Sean Harry, visit him online at Career Management Solutions, www.orcms.com. Dr. Harry is a regular blogger and host of the Perfect Career Podcast, available in the iTunes Store.